Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Howdy ho, neighbor. Hi. How are you? I I'm good. Why are you starting the show like this? Why not? Because <laughs> they, they probably are listening going, oh, they're, like they're talking to me. Well, I'm doing finely. Thanks for yeah. asking. Does Fitz have a cold today? What does he sound like that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Fitz is MIA. We don't know where he is. We hope he chimes in soon. But we just figured, hey, let's just start recording. It might be a great episode without Fitz. I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He was dead weight anyway. No, no. We're just... Uh, we thought we'd get things rolling for everybody, even though this yeah. is recorded. <laughs> it's like we, we could wait, but yeah. we're not gonna. Uh, episode one seventy nine. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's getting late for us. I need my beauty sleep. <laughs> yeah, one seventy nine. One seventy nine of the RC Roundtable podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's uh, Lee and Terry right now. Fitz soon will be joining, and uh, hope you guys are doing well. We've hopefully recovered from our fun trip to Oshkosh to. To see our buddy Terry in Green Bay, spent a lot of time together. More time than we've spent in a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's a real. lot of Terry time. <laughs> yeah, and, I'll tell you uh, what. I didn't know how tired I was until after you guys left. That week after, it's that was two weeks ago. That week after, I was a lazy bum for a few days. It took me a while to catch up and feel like a a whole person again. Yeah, the drive was lengthy too. We were quite beat coming back so all right so you guys left here sunday morning and then you had two days to get back to houston two days yep this from green bay it's pretty pretty long drive well i'm getting ready to make a very similar drive myself to take my daughter back to college so i'll know exactly what you're talking about <sighs> now you had talked about making a detour along the way did that happen nope to go spelunking uh, we did not go spelunking it was spelunk free. The the party poopers wanted to get home, so we did. Man, oh, you I were outnumbered. I was outnumbered two to one. Oh, you had your hat with the flashlight on the front and everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't. We were going to stop by at the Miramac Caves in uh, near St. Louis. I'd been there last year with Ryan. Had a really good time. I thought it was pretty cool, but it would have added another day. And just for cave looking i guess because we really you don't do much except walk around and enjoy the cold temperatures which oh my gosh back here in texas i don't want to get into it oh right. every every day it started with a one and a zero and gone up from there so right uh, well, how great yeah, was yeah. that basement here 10 degrees colder than anywhere else <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very nice yeah. um but i know we'll talk about oshkosh a little bit more because we recorded before we were finished but that last day was really nice you are know? you talking our last day or the last day uh, our last day, I guess. So Sunday. Saturday. What you didn't? Nobody went there on Sunday, no, right? No, we didn't go there Sunday. But I'm saying Saturday. Well, Saturday's weather was good, but Sunday morning leaving your house was really nice. Oh yeah, I, I thought you were talking about specifically at the air show. You just meant in general. In general, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, did we fly or we did RC things that morning, right? Mm -hmm. Before you left. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we had fun. We did. Yeah, enjoyed, so enjoyed your little pond out there. Yeah, so there were significant things that happened after we recorded our Oshcast. Um, did we do that on Friday morning? It was either Thursday or Friday. I think it was Thursday. Yeah, you're probably right. 
but yeah, there's some significant stuff that happened that we should probably talk about here just to you know, put a bow on top of that whole Oshkosh experience. Um, hey, look who's here. Fitz Traveler Walker. It should be <coughs> something about being late. What's a good word for being late? Absentee tar Walker. Tar tardy? Are you on the right microphone, Fitz? Uh-oh. Maybe not. Hold on. <laughs> first things first. Stand by. Yeah, I had to plug in the microphone, so it's, yeah, it's looking at the wrong mic. <laughs> See, I caught it that time, Lee. I saved the day. How about now? Oh, yeah. Ooh. There's the fits we know and love. Okay. Yeah, sorry. But the, my uh, webcam is not normally plugged in, so when I plug it in, it s switches over to the webcam mic. Gotcha. Good to know, Terry, that you actually he don't have a tin ear. What's that? Uh, hear me, ter Terry. Now that we've confirmed that uh, Fitz is on the right mic, I'm assuming I'm on the right mic. Tap your microphone, Terry, because I either it might, might be my earbuds. You ready? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my my uh, earbuds I'm using today are just. Uh, you sound a little tinny to me, so I was okay. making sure you weren't on a laptop microphone. You too. Well, I think we could each have a drum line inside of wherever room we're in, and it's still going to be better audio than last time. So. Yeah, that's true. So do you want you want to address that? Just for uh, those. Well, I guess there's not much to address. That you know, I think we uh, talked about it on the intro to episode 178. We didn't really have this setup for sure, where we're in different parts of the country. And we had one mic. We hooked it to my video camera. We did a quick test. Thought it was good. And then after the fact, you found that there was a bunch of noise, Ooh, which yeah. couldn't quite be filtered out. So you know, we we rolled with it. If only Ron had brought his gear. He did. <laughs> Oh, did he? <laughs> so yeah, it was Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. So yeah, he was fully prepared to record, but uh, you're talking about Ron Hull from uh, RC Plane Lab. Yeah, he was one of our guests here, and uh, he was prepared to do an episode, um, but we just didn't find the time while he was here, which is unfortunate. So to catch you up, Fitz, since you were late, um, we were talking kind of a wrap-up of Oshkosh, things that happened after we recorded our show. And uh, the first thing that we were going to talk about is one of the things we mentioned in episode 178 was just how well the crowd was managed. It was easy every day to get in, to get out. Anytime you needed food or to go to the restroom, whatever, there was never a wait. It was just, uh, I think the numbers are coming out. It was almost 700,000 people throughout oh, the week. 700,000. Wow. You're pushing quarter million people. That's just insane. Um, you might want to check your math on that. Three quarters of a million, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a long day. <laughs> um, and then something like 10,000 airplanes, yada, yada, yada. So yeah. anyway, I was really impressed with how, despite the number of people there, it never felt crowded. That changed on Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> wow, yeah. what a difference. Yeah. So the unique thing is we, we being my wife and I, we decided to go, and Fitz came with us too, we decided to go extra early on Saturday just to beat the heat. We wanted to walk the Warbird line and see the things that were there. And so we arrived at um, Whitman Airport at like 8 a.m., which was much earlier than we had been doing. And we still had no problems then. And so we got in and we were able to see the Warbird line. Disappointingly, a lot of warbirds and other planes that have been parked there had left either thursday or friday did, i don't did know if you it hear, was did you hear why i actually heard why oh okay Somebody i don't know if it was because me. of weather but yeah tell me what yeah you heard. that's what apparently what happened what i was told was uh i think it was thursday night 
they were predicting like 70 mile per hour winds that night. Wow. And so many people just said, uh, uh, screw you guys, I'm out of here <laughs> with their airplanes. And yeah. of course, it, it didn't happen, but they were spooked basically well, to get out of there. There were several nights during the week where we were driving back north to Green Bay looking at either going through storms or looking at very yeah, ominous storms. Ominous. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I understand their concern. So anyway, a little bit disappointed with the number of warbirds that had left, but still plenty to see there. And uh, we got on the tram ride that takes you through all the stuff. And they have somebody that explains what everything is. Um, so we had a great morning and uh, we decided to go back home to wait out the heat over lunchtime. And as we were leaving, uh, I don't know, between noon and one o'clock, the traffic coming into the airport was insane. Like backed up on the feeder roads on the highway for miles. And um, actually talking to Ron, he was in that crowd of people waiting to get in. And they sat in traffic for over an hour and a half just to, to get wow. in and park. Wow. And that was such a departure from the rest of the week. So my theory, uh, now that I'm an expert with one time being at Oshkosh, is that the beginning of the week is more for the pilots and the builders and people who want to go to the workshops and things like that. And then Saturdays for the locals who just want to see a cool air show. And so the the spike in the crowd numbers on Saturday was tremendous. So don't go on Saturday. <laughs> right. So I'm keeping that in mind in my planning for next year that I'm going to try to get everything out of the way that I want to do before Saturday. And then I'll probably still go on Saturday to do the RC flying and maybe other stuff. Because when I went back later in the day to the RC field on Saturday, again, I zipped right in, right to the museum at the RC area. No problems. Uh, um, so I guess it don't now, go Saturday morning. That's probably what they... But also, the big night show is on Saturday night, and that's yeah. probably the peak of the whole thing. Um, my uncle and his family stuck around for that, and they were waiting a long time to get out. They didn't get back yeah. to my place till after 1 in the morning. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they were. Yeah. They looked like they'd been in a bar fight. They, they had a, a rough ride home. Um, so anyway, keep that in mind for anybody um, who's considering coming next year. Just remember, Saturday is a big spike in attendance. So keep that in mind when planning your adventure. And I assume Sunday was a little bit higher than during the week, but not as high as Saturday. I don't know. Um, another thing that we wanted to bring up that happened after our recording was that there were two unfortunate fatal accidents. Um, did those both happen on Saturday? I believe they did. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. they did. I think they happened the, fairly close in time to each other. Yeah. Not that the timing is the specific timing is important, but yeah, I think they were on the same day. Yeah. Um, I don't know many details. Do you, either of you feel prepared to talk about what happened? Uh, all I know is what I saw on YouTube. I don't know, Lee, you have any other, any data? Well, the midair occurred at ultralight between, was it two gyrocopters or one helicopter and a gyrocopter? I heard it was a heli and gyrocopter. Okay. I heard the so same. There's a, a pattern you keep at ultralights. It's a nice little, you know, NASCAR oval pattern, I guess. And uh, I, I I just want to say I'm not, you know, saying, thank, thank goodness only two people died. That's not what I'm, I feel bad of what happened. There was a, you know, a misconnection on traffic pattern, but typically they've given rides to young Eagle, you know, pilots, hmm. you know, out there. And, uh, you know, that's pretty active. So this happened with just individual pilots who've gotten each other's path and they collided and both unfortunately were deceased. Um, 
And it's a good thing I, they didn't hurt anyone on the ground. They, they did. They injured two oh. people on the ground. I think okay. it landed on an aircraft. One of them landed on an aircraft. Yeah, I understand so the autogyro landed on a Mooney, is oof. what I heard. And right. those occupants were injured. But the occupants in the helicopter were diseased. I'll I'll say we're I didn't do an, a lot of research on this. I do have information on my screen about the other one, the T six, but uh, if you want to go to YouTube, you'll certainly find more information. I've seen some videos. Honestly, what I found interesting, I think it happened in the afternoon. Uh, Which there wasn't one? much talk. Uh, I think the ultralight was first, and then the T six was after. Oh, I thought it was the opposite, but I don't think it matters. Yeah, because I think ultralight was in the morning ish, right? I thought the T6 was at 9 in the morning, but oh. I, I don't really know, and I, I don't know if it's... So, so it was interesting. When I was walking back, I was in the Warbird area. I was kind of walking back, and I saw a fire truck go down the, the taxiway. I thought, well, that's interesting. Right. It didn't have his lights and horns on, but it was going down towards, in the direction of the ultralight area, ultimately. So I wonder if they were responding to that. Yeah, could be. And we're back. Sorry about that. We had a little technical problems, and they look to be sorted out. So Alpha, we Bravo, Charlie, doing... Delta, Echo, Foxtrot. Got that? Copy one, two, three. Roger, Roger. <laughs> Over a copy, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> we now return to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> yes, audio people go, what just happened? <laughs> we, we had a, while we were recording, we realized we had to change some uh, equipment, so we're back. Yeah, so we were talking about unfortunate incidents at Oshkosh. Um, so I think we covered the autogyro thing. Um, yeah, so the we, other one was, was a, a, T6. A, a T6 with a pilot and passenger that went down in Lake Winnebago. Yeah. yeah. And the two names, Devin Riley and Zachary Colley, there are a lot of posts online. In fact, uh, I learned about the crash at Oshkosh from a friend that posted it on Facebook. So I didn't, you know, we weren't really aware. They didn't make an announcement or anything. But if you go up on Facebook and go to the Commemorative Air Force Central Texas Wing, they'll have some information to share. And this is a very sad situation. Uh, Devin Riley, um, young pilot in her 30s. Her husband was there at Oshkosh, too. They fly this T-6 together. We're not sure what happened, but it got into a stall spin. And she couldn't recover over the lake. And unfortunately, both perished. It's very sad. Sad day for Oshkosh, and uh, I'm glad they kept going. I mean, for sure, as we should. And, but uh, our prayers and thoughts to the family of uh, all those who were lost. But uh, so grateful that we have people like that who make that trip, who bring those aircraft out there, so we can all enjoy them. And right. we'll keep on, keep onward, right? For sure. And you know. There's just, we talked earlier, 10,000 airplanes come in for this air show. So I, I have no idea what the numbers are, but I just wonder how frequently there's any sort of incident there. They seem to man. I mean, from my untrained eye, it seems to be managed very well, but I, well, I simply you, <laughs> there, there was another incident that did not uh, cause any, uh, <laughs> no loss of life. But did you hear about the guy who came into the pattern in the wrong direction? Uh, we talked about that in the last show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, yeah. Okay. So you, know, you have that, you have people who break some landing gear coming in too, too fast, too tight. I guess they're kind of nervous. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned that uh, Bailey's bomber had had a rough landing last year and uh, tore up its gear. So uh, yeah, it happens. Right. One last yeah. time. Is it Bailey or Bally? I can uh, never keep it straight. Potato. Okay. Potato, potato bomber. bomber. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's going to be something yeah. else soon. <laughs> it's for sale. Yeah. 
Yeah, but you know that's something, Terry, I was thinking too, that it it, it seems to be, it, if not every year, every other year, there's some sort of incidents that happens, something relatively serious at Oshkosh. So it seems when you got that many people flying in, it's just it's statistically you're going to have some issues uh, that, that ends up in at least a, some sort of bent aircraft. Right. Yeah, I don't think any of us are qualified to say what they could do better, anything like that. I, I'm with Lee. I'm glad that people are willing to to accept whatever increased risk there is of flying in there to make these things happen for yeah. us. So, and thanks it to is. the people who do manage it to the degree they manage it now. So, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm an observer in that whole process, and I'm impressed by it, while acknowledging that maybe there's things they can do better too. I don't know. All right, so. That was the the sad part of the things we missed. Is there anything else we wanted yeah, to say Debbie for Downer. Oshkosh? No more Debbie Downer stuff. <laughs> right. Well, the other thing I had listed was the drive home. So, Lee, you gave a, a pretty quick synopsis of the drive home. Maybe Fitz has a different perspective on that. So, uh, Fitz, tell us about 20 hours in the car with Lee with and Lee. Austin. <laughs> yeah, uh, like with the Ray boys. Yeah, thanks. Just throw me under the bus there, Terry. <laughs> I'll just say what, what Lee said. <laughs> i don't know Thanks. if i can add much uh uh it was kind of nice having a third driver because last time lee and i went somewhere i think we were just us two coming back from joel Nile, right so uh, uh kudos to your son for uh being able to handle uh that big land yacht of your vehicle with and a trailer, a trailer. Yeah. But yeah he did pretty good i was surprised because i was you know i was like can this kid really drive this? <laughs> Does he have a CDL license? So we can. <laughs> Did you have to um, go to the way stations? <laughs> oh, no. oh uh, Did I mention the toll charges in Illinois? Oh, well, no. Hey, how did that work out? Did 25 they... smackaroons. Wow. Just to go through Chicago. Really? Well, yeah. Because that's I how mean... they route you. Otherwise, you're going through the streets and your your trailer won't be there when you get through. <laughs> right. Roll them up, kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, at one point, we though we were going through some back roads. There was some little town we went through in the corn cornfields and whatever that yeah, was. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, there's wasn't there like a, a wreck or something we decided to pull off and oh maybe, maybe, maybe yeah yeah maybe GPS rerouted us through the scenic route there. Yeah, which yeah. was kind of nice. Uh, but right. other than that, I think the drive went pretty well. I can't really remember any. Any major issues we had, did we? So, it's right, a, a long drive. Yeah, yeah, it was just a long drive, and uh, uh, in in uh, Lee's eclectic list of TV shows and movies that he likes oh. to watch. <laughs> I did think it was weird that you watch TV or watch listen to TV shows while while you drive. Frasier's yeah, yeah. entertaining. I think Frasier. You were you were in the car when we were watching some Frasier back to Green Bay, and it's an yeah, hour yeah. back to your house, so that is definitely worth <laughs> listening to some old episodes of Frasier. All right. Well, yeah, while we have Austin on the brain, happy birthday to Austin. The day we record is his 19th oh, birthday. Right. 19th birthday. It's 19 wow. already. He's a week away from heading to college. So you can oh, do more driving. So fast. More <laughs> yeah. driving. Yep. Driving to Florida wow. and back. Florida and back. Yes. Yeah. See, I'm doing a little bit differently. I'm taking my daughter back to school in Texas and then flying home from there. Actually, yeah. flying to Minneapolis to my son and then driving from there. It's a long story, but yeah, but, I'm. Yeah. Kind of, Lee, how does that work? Because isn't he taking a car? He is. So you're driving two cars or are you going to fly back? Two cars. 
Why didn't you do the Terry snow, way? Snow <laughs> just fly back. Snowman and the Bandit. No, because <laughs> we need to bring stuff for him. Yeah, the door was a small car. Well, a thousand miles on I ten just isn't enough for Lee. He's got to he, get it going both directions. He, yeah. No, yeah, I have to. I have to torture myself, and it's all all the return trip is crying. Are you done yet, Dad? <laughs> well, when I moved in, I had clothes and a computer. That was it. <laughs> yeah, it's right. a lot different now. <laughs> all right. I tell you what, though, that stretch between Tallahassee and Pensacola, where it's just pine trees. Oh, man, good luck to you on that well, both it's, times. It's pine trees all the way down to Daytona. Well, yeah, but every now and then there's a billboard or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's wrap up Oshkosh. Maybe we talked about these before, but I have some memorabilia. Um, yeah, those are some it? nice pins we got for uh, being uh, in instructor types there for the RC pilots. That's what Terry's oh, showing you. I, the kids would get them too, right? Anybody yeah. who came and participated got one. Anybody who flew, yeah. 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 And uh, my friend Rob, who is another person who stayed with us, he's um, a fellow Embry-Riddle alumni and a professional pilot. He went to the Embry-Riddle display at Oshkosh, which I never made it to. Uh, another thing, there were still a lot of things I didn't make it to at the end of the week, so they're on my list for next year. But he picked up that for me. Can you see it? Oh, nice. Uh, there it there is. There you go. Yeah, Embry-Riddle. Yeah. So I have some bling from my 13th Squadron hat now. So I picked up two. I don't know if I have it here. And by the way, uh, Steve and Jack, I was recognized by wearing this hat. I don't remember if it was at the air show or um, at the flying field, but somebody said, hey, I know the airplanes. So, Fitz was yeah. recognized vintage. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Reggie, yeah, right? Uh, it Reggie? Yeah, Reggie oh, from right. the, yeah, the RC, RC lab. lab. RC, RC plane, plane lab, lab. yeah. Yeah, he, he said he heard my voice and turned around and said, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's an air show with, you know, half a million people. Yeah, you know, isn't he the one who said the, the other guy in that recording? <laughs> wasn't right? So I was standing right next to Fitz, had no idea who I was. It's just <laughs> full circle, darn it. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say another riddle story. I, I was, this past weekend, I was at a plastic model show, a really big one, and I was kind of hovering around this one of the booths uh one of the vendors and the guy sitting down says oh yeah i, I was an instructor at Embry riddle like oh, oh really I, I went to Embry riddle and there's another guy next to me goes hey i went to Embry riddle too <laughs> <laughs> this is three three individual guys that i had never met before except we're all talking about all alumni that was and this was at a plastic model show yeah a plastic model show were you in the airplane section no no this was in a dealer's room so it was just oh i can yeah, it's a little bit less unique if you guys were all hovering around model airplanes, but this was yeah more yeah. random than that. It was very random, yeah. I just thought that was funny because huh. it's kind of an obscure school in a way, but uh, right. Uh, I just thought that was funny. <laughs> oh, that's anyway. cool. And, yeah, and Lee, you're part of the inner circle now, buddy. We'll have to teach you the secret handshake. It's like I, like my wife, she's a Texas Longhorn and she bought me a shirt that says I'm married into it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've spawned a riddle child. So there you go. All right. All right. So I think uh, that's about everything we had for Oshkosh. So until next year, I hope you guys come back. And that's the, the meeting behind my uh, handle tonight, Hostel Hostel. So uh, you, you're mm. welcome back anytime. Well, thanks for hosting us. It was a great time. Uh, I think Fitz and I are going to bring cots and just stay in your basement. 
You know yeah. what? I'm not going to fight you this next time. <laughs> I'm not going to fight you. So I have to say, you know, uh, you mentioned the dog. That, that, that dog is pretty neat. <laughs> He's a character. If you look up the word chill in the dictionary. That is the most chill dog oh, I've yes. ever seen in my Extremely life. Extremely chill. A picture I mean, of Clyde. To the point where people are like, is that dog alive? <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's how chill that dog was. He would just go walk, go just look, look around just slowly. I mean, man. Yeah, people yeah. think we have a bearskin rug. Oh, wait. Uh, he does a, a everything in slow motion. Yeah, yeah, as I call them, the self-propelled rug, self-propelled <laughs> <floor> rug. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, he's always been like that, but uh, he's an old guy now, so he's uh, moving even slower than usual. And, uh, <laughs> the only dog I've seen, you know, drink water like lying on his side. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on to the next thing. What's the next thing? Uh, Nats looks like. Nats, like the little bugs? Not those nats. Oh, drop the GS. Yeah. All right. So, Lee, you and Austin were at the Gnats. We went, we flew. I didn't win a damn thing. We, we went to Oshkosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for the trophy behind you. I, I, I got know. nothing. In fact, I, I came in last place in two of the events. So, you know, it is what it is. Well, you weren't going there for trophies. Oh, I wasn't experienced. No, my trophy was my time with Austin, and it was that was a, a success. We had a great time. Austin did win a trophy. <laughs> it was a and look, he accepts it in the right way. It's a participation trophy. It was he was the <laughs> only junior member to participate in nostalgia class, oh. but he did, and he flew both the Olympic and the Golden Eagle, and right. had a much better flight on the Golden Eagle. The uh, Olympic flew fine. This is the Airtronics Olympic 99, which was my father's. I was just happy to be there. I have some great photos that Matt Ruddick took of me while we were at the event. So just taking my dad's plane and flying it was all I really wanted to do. Uh, it's It was hard competition. Most of the planes that were scoring excellent points were composite type aircraft, super lightweight. You let them go, they float away. Um it, it is what it is, but I'm not sure. I, I don't think I talked at all. I think I mentioned this on AMA Air with Matt. But my my takeaway as far as success, besides flying them, and they all came home in one piece relatively. <laughs> the poor Golden Eagle had a moment. I'll talk in that in a second. But I was really proud of Austin and I on how well we could spot land those gliders. And I... I want to stress that because something that I've always mentioned on this show and to anybody that asks me, how did you get started? Was that my dad made me fly gliders until I could launch fly and land back to where I was standing. And that made me learn energy that made me learn the fly the wing, as he told me. And so I could do that. And rarely, unless, unless I lost signal or the batteries died and terry you've been there <laughs> you know and you're just holding up your transmitter going i have nothing and it flies away um and i had a and that's a great story one of my fa favorite glider flights is when the batteries died and this thing kept flying you know you start chugging after it, it it landed fine but you know he and i nailed almost every landing we probably didn't have to walk more than 30 or 40 feet to get it we saw a lot of guys not make it you know they were so busy trying to get the time that they were not even close to the spot. And now, that's granted, without spoilers. And yeah, neither. Well, no, that I take that back. The Golden Eagle has spoilers. Okay. But the Olympic did not. And neither of our other two planes had spoilers. So okay. the two meter. 
plane. So, you know, proud of that. Now, granted, you get more points with time if you fly as long as you can and stop the timer when it touches the ground. But as far as the skill of flying, that's what I was proud of. So sure. we had a good time. He had uh, over a nine minute flight with a, and Fitz might remember this. This was a $5 swap meet purchase at Georgetown during the auction. And this was about three years ago, three or four years ago, Fitz. Well, that's and like 50 cents a minute. That's pretty good. <laughs> it, may, it may have been longer than that. Fitz, this was the one where I think you raised your hand accidentally and bought something and you're like, what? Oh, <laughs> yeah, story? yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So during that sale, I think I bought this $5 Great Plains Spirit and we weren't even going to bring it. Austin dusted it off from the attic. He put it together and he flew it so well. And he had his 917, maybe something like that, flight on it. And he made a couple of spot landings with my golden eagle that he got points for you know, landing near the center. Mm -hmm. uh, my longest flight was with the golden eagle. I think it was nine minutes, 45, which I was excited and related about. But let me just tell you, the guy who won, who aced every event, two meter, our res, rudder, elevator, spoiler, and uh, nostalgia, you know, he was just points away from a perfect score every round. I mean, huh. that's how good that guy was. So, you know, I was just like, I got a nine minute flight. <laughs> well, refresh my memory. The goal is exactly 10 minutes. If you land short or long of that, you get points taken off and then additional points for spot landing. Yeah. there. Uh, for example, F5J, which is the electric, the limited motor run, you know, and they have little sensors that know how far, you know, how long you fly and how, what your altitude is. You can get points mm -hmm. based on when you shut your motor off, you know, that they all start at the same time. So to see that launch, that's crazy. Cause we showed up a day early and they're, they're all like, don't hit any body <laughs> when you're going up. Cause it can happen. This one is everybody has a high start. You launch, well, there are winches. So we, we use high starts on ours, but we had winches. And as soon as it's off the hook, that's when the timer starts. And then you want to hit right at 9.59. Okay, 10 if you can, but most right. people are going for 9.59. And then once you've hit that time, you want it to land right in the center of a, there's a center stake and then a, like a ribbon with yeah. measurements on it. Well, quick question. Uh, do you have a, a, a timer person or do you have to do it in your head? Yeah, we all we all help each other out. Like okay. there, were, there was a time I timed Austin. There was a time Austin timed for somebody else. So everybody's helping each other. It's it's a lot of fun. They're very friendly guys. Uh, it was very relaxing and people were cheering on Austin. Uh, people were making fun of me when I almost ripped their wing <laughs> off my golden eagle on a winch. <laughs> I, I tapped a little too hard and, <laughs> and everybody heard the crunch. <laughs> so <laughs> I, and I got to tell you, I was lucky. I, I heard the crunch too. I was trying to tap a little bit more to, so I could get some speed to go down and come up and I was still up. <laughs> and so it, the wing, it was damaged. And right after I picked it up from the ground, the wing flipped. Oh, like it, it came loose and just flipped around on the, on the uh, uh, spar. So. The wing rod, excuse me. So I was very, very lucky with the Golden Eagle. I did make a repair and we kept flying. It was crude, but uh, it worked. But that was the first time I'd ever used a winch. And what was nice is everybody was very helpful and, you know, teaching. And uh, a couple of my launches worked well, really well for me. In fact, I, that's where I you know, got my nine-minute flight on the Golden Eagle. All right, cool. So which glider were you guys telling me about that has a motor in it? And you just use that as a ballast? Was so, that a problem? Yeah. So th that turd. <laughs> I, I brought a uh, Carl Goldberg Electra. 
oh, art. Right, right. Okay. And I, I haven't, didn't really enjoy it as much. I have a kit that my dad bought me. So I built the kit and I fly my other electro, a lot of fun. But this had been collecting dust. And I said, Let, let's just try it for the two meter. So this was the one Austin was going to compete with until he started flying the Spirit like on Friday. He said, yeah, I think I'll fly this one instead. That Electra was a dog. My, I mean, there were, hmm. I hate admitting this. My Careful. first, <laughs> my so first. People are going to be defensive about this. Why? You start bashing gentle ladies and electros, you'll get hate mail. Yeah, it's a it's a modified gentle lady. That's exactly what it is. So no, you're just talking okay. about this specific. I'm talking about this specific one. I love okay. mine. In fact, I'll I'll touch back to tell you how much I do like my Electra and the gentle lady. But I had two flights under a minute. Like it was a rock coming down. You're laughing, but I, I was so angry. Like my first flight was 54 seconds. My second flight was 45 seconds. I felt like the gods just handed me a cold dark cloud and just shoved me to the ground. I was, I was angry. People could see I was furious. Like there's no way everybody's going up in the air and I'm, my plane's just coming straight down. So I landed and I moved on and then I had a bet with Austin and this is where it got even worse. Austin said, I could fly it longer than you, dad. I said, yeah. I said, I bet you can't fly more than a minute and 15 seconds. And I don't remember why we, oh, I know why, because I had launched mine on a different high start, a shorter high start. And then we switched it to ours, which is a little longer. And so I tacked on 20 seconds or something like that. That darn turd, he beat me by an extra 10 seconds. And he mm -hmm. just lived that up. He's like, I flew it longer than you could, Dad. And so I was, it was really, uh, what do you call it, swallowing my pride there. Uh, but going back to the Electra, I love my kit. It's been a great plane to have. The problem was I stupidly tried to catch it one day on landing and it, I slipped and it hit me and cracked the wing. So I was really, you know, frustrated, but I went and bought another kit. And so I built a new wing and this time I put spoilers. And that thing is one of my favorite gliders that I have because now I can really get it right to my feet. I can, and so there's no, uh, at least in mine, there were no plans for spoilers. So I just made mine up. And so, yeah, generally with spoilers, uh, thumbs up, man. That's a great plane. If you can get your hands on one. All right. Copy that method when you add spoilers to plywood overcast. <laughs> <laughs> just which it, which it doesn't need, but okay. Well, again, as roll control, it's already there. You just need yeah. servos. I should have given you servos to take home so you could do that. Sure. Darn it. I got stuff. Uh, one thing we hadn't talked upon. Nats was great. Uh, you know, had fun, did it all that, blah, blah, blah. I didn't talk about the plane I was trying to cram build. I think we talked about it in previous episode or, uh, I wasn't going to bring it up. No, that's okay. I, I was trying to get an Astro flight Malibu done. I had been working on it. <laughs> the funniest thing was I wish, I wish I had taken a picture of me working on it in the hotel room on an ironing board. <laughs> it's like Austin was all, you know, his face was in his new laptop and he wasn't, but if I had a picture of that, that would have been memories for me because it was hilarious. But I worked on that thing. I worked on it. I tried, but then like Friday, I was just so tired and beat. I was like, I can't finish it. But now that I've, you know, I gave up on it. I was like, I'm not going to do it. I am going to put spoilers in it. It's not made for spoilers, but I was like, you know, after going through all that now and experience this, I'm going to take some time to do a little pull string spoilers on the Malibu. And I think that'll turn out really nice. Hmm. So did you have incidental charges on your hotel bill? To buy the <laughs> new, new ironing no. board? No. New dresser? <laughs> I, new I don't know, I haven't checked yet. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, no, no, I didn't make any messes or anything like that. Uh, but I mean, the, the fuselage is covered. Fuselage is mainly done. Oh, I didn't, yeah. 
didn't have the electronics installed, but the tail was, I mean, I finished covering the tail. I glued on the tail. Everything looked really well. The wing was pretty much finished. Um, it just, uh, there's a lot of sanding that had to been done. So yada, yada, yada. Uh, now I've got another plane to finish, but I, I think it'll be fun. Uh, once I get that done. Somewhat related to that. I read an article a long, long time ago, like in the nineties and RC car races sometimes are hosted in hotels, like indoor carpet racing and things like that. And I remember this article was talking about not to use the hotel towels when you're working on your car at night because of the oil and the grease and stuff, and they'll charge you for the towels. And so th that's wow. what I had in my head when you were talking about building in a hotel room. Yeah. Get to see a glue all over the towels and stuff. Right. Yeah. I, I, there was a lot of autocode on the floor. <laughs> so... It reminded me, you know, when they have the SAE competitions, and those kids go back to their hotels to do the last minute. <gasps> yes. I wonder how, yes. how messy they made the rooms. <laughs> well, I thought one of you guys was with me, but the year we all volunteered, that was my job. I was supposed to keep track of the kids that were in the lobby working on their plane to make sure they didn't get CA in the carpet. Remember, <laughs> they all had CA bottles That's about true. the size of this. That's true. That's true. I remember that. Yeah. And, and Tom said, yeah, go make sure they, they don't screw up the carpet. <laughs> so, so anyway good times all right I'll so i'm glad you made it to your first nets yeah a big check mark. Good. oh yeah and you know kudos to the ma it was really easy uh, kudos to the league of silent flyers everyone there was super nice they wanted us to succeed they wanted us to win obviously we wouldn't have come close but the uh, scott black shout out to my buddy uh he, he was skybench aerotech he was kind of the one who egged me on made me you know want to do it and we hung out together uh, had a, a fun time. He, uh, I don't remember everything he flew. He, he made a post on nats.modelaircraft.org. So he's one of the reporters. So you can go look up that. There's a Nats thread on RC groups where you can see all the pictures. Uh, you can see a lot more stuff if you want to go there. And um, I, I didn't mention this uh, in, in the show, but Austin and I slept at AMA. Nobody mm. else did. Oh, really? So we had we had it all to ourselves. It was great. Nice little camp out. So we had the tent and stayed there. And I'm glad we did that. It was fun. All right, cool. And you just slept in the trailer or in a tent? Or? A tent. Okay. Huh. All right. Are we ready to move on to the next thing? Sure. All right. Hey, unless Fitz has any questions about Nats. No, I think it covered everything. I'm good. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask because there was a question before about whether you were going to use your high start or the winch, but you covered that. Yeah, you mentioned it. Um, they allowed you to bring it. Yeah. So the, I don't know if the winches were AMAs or LSFs, but, okay. um, you know, it's very so, interesting. I've never done that before. I did have a question. Is there, like, is there an advantage of one over the other? Or it seems like the winch would be more of an advantage than the high start, wouldn't it? It is. Oh, it is. As long as you have a plane that can handle it. There were and, three planes that took off that lost parts on winch launch. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And there were people that would put their foot down and they would pull full power and that plane would go <laughs> up like a rocket. And then there were people that would tap. Like, you know, that, that's what we had to learn. I had to learn how to tap to not yeah, stress the, right, the plane out. And so yeah. my, every flight except like my last one was okay. It was fine. Um, and so I, I felt like I got a, the hang of it pretty well. But there were people, the, the construction of their aircraft is so rock solid. It's literally a rocket fits. I mean, they oh, launch it really? and they get so much speed that they they push straight down. Like they're pulling the hook down and get build up speed. And then they go straight up as far as they can. And then they tip off. Wow. Even in nostalgia? Uh, yeah, you can. 
Absolutely. Huh. I right. probably wouldn't see as much, but oh, it was so neat to see sailors out there, by the way, because my golden oh. eagle is the little brother to the sailor. And there were several people out there who had some gorgeous sailors. My question was the I assume that everything in nostalgia is balsa and plywood, but even those, some were stressed to handle a full power winch launch. Yep. Really? Yep. Huh. All right. Well, but yeah. definitely the two meter in res, man, those is <laughs> amazing to see that. Because have you finished the Malibu yet? The Malibu no. wing? No. You know, oh, that tungsten it's, spar in there. No, no. It, 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 <laughs> that's called plywood. No, there's no way that thing's going on a winch. No way. If I it would be tap and then I'm off. <laughs> it's, like, it's just 10 feet in front of me. So I'll be scared. In nostalgia, are you allowed to deviate from the original design to, to do that? I I don't know. I they hmm. didn't specify that. Or you just fiberglass the whole thing like crazy? Yeah, anyway, I guess you could. Be, yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, we'll have to ask Scott. Go, right. go on YouTube. Go watch some of the launches. We had a. I posted a video on our Facebook, on AMA's Facebook page, a short video of the launches. You can go watch. All right. And the engineer in me wonders if you build up a plane heavy enough to withstand a full power launch. Is the trade off of the gliding ability to wash away some of that, or is it mostly pilot skill that's a factor? I, you know, this year was just focusing on our planes and each other. I did not dig into what the aircrafts were. And in fact, it was nice after the, when we were driving to Oshkosh, we made a little list of what we would do if we went back next year. And mm. the first thing was get new planes. <laughs> it's like right off the bat. <laughs> uh, I would not bring the Olympic anymore. The Olympic so practice was, wasn't number one. It's what it's practice wasn't at the top of your list. No, no. no <laughs> was just, no, we were not looking at any planes and, and saying, what's this and how should we get one? Although there were a couple of people who had, like our $5 swap meet, had just recently picked up new planes to compete with. And so we would definitely address that. I have, I'm, you know, some of these planes I have never touched in my life. The, the way they're built, the carbon fiber in them, you know, it's just, it's not my thing. Would I like to fly with one? Sure. I, I just don't know if that's going to be my focus in life. The Malibu is something that was a lot of fun to build. I mean, I know I stressed myself out because I was rushing, but I like the simplicity of that kind of build and, you know, the old school type. Yeah. All right. But yes, there were some amazing missing pieces coming off of planes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a DNF if you lose parts? Um, you lose that round. Okay. It's like a zero round. Yeah, but you can yeah. fix it and go back. So Yeah. Okay. And by the way, I didn't lose my round with my Golden Eagle. I still flew. I still got my points <laughs> um, <laughs> because it didn't come apart, you know. All right. All right. And the last thing, are you still inspired to finish the Malibu or is it getting oh, pushed to the background? Okay. Oh, it's only pushed back because of what's happening in my life. So um, right. I, I won't fly the Malibu at Bomber or Best, so it's going to be put away for a while. So I got to move some stuff around. But I will finish it. I, that's good. I mean, I like my paint scheme and I... I have plans to take it out to the field and at least my field. See if we can catch some thermals with it. All right. Fun. All right. Well, I'm happy for you. I'm glad you got to participate in your first Nats, you and Austin both. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you're going got, back and, next year or is that on the... Uh, we'll see. The, he's got a trophy. Not. Lucky guy. Right. He'll be a big shot college kid. So maybe yeah. he'll have rub it in. He's things. got to rub it in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's next? We're going to talk about this bear cat. 
Um, well, I think that's a subset of a bigger story. Oh. So I can start talking about that. In July, right after July 4th, my family and I, we hopped in the car and we did a two-week road trip. And we went from Green Bay, like, headed generally east. I made a, a trip through um, Buffalo. So I saw some of my old Buffalo friends. And then um, we continued on to the coast and visited some family around Washington, D.C. And while we were in D.C., I went back to the uh, Smithsonian that's out at the Dulles Airport. And that's the Air and Space Museum, the Udvar Hazy. Oh, I'm sure Hazy. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure of the pronunciation, but yeah, they're a big facility out there. Um, we were potentially going to go to the one on the mall as well. It had been under construction for a while, but my understanding is that it's back open. But there are a few museums on the mall that are so popular, you have to get entry tickets ahead of time. You have to reserve a spot when you come in. You don't have oh. to pay for it, but you still have to get in line just to make sure that the place doesn't get overcrowded. Air and Space is one of those. So we bypassed that one, went out to Dulles, and I mean, there were people there, but it wasn't overcrowded or anything like that. And just like every time I go to a museum with my wife, they push us out with a broom as they're trying to lock the doors behind us. We stayed mm -hmm. until we couldn't stay anymore. Um, what a neat place. Um, it's kind of it's the red velvet rope type of museum where you're back from everything there's no touching but they have such a unique collection of cool stuff and we really enjoyed ourselves there and my wife fell in love with the boeing 377 all polished and shiny and art deco that that was her favorite plane so that and the sr-71 377 um, is that the strato cruiser yeah yeah so I and there's one there yeah am i remembering right that they put that one in a lake and then they pulled it back out, and or maybe it's a different example. I don't remember. But anyway, just a pretty old four-engine airliner. I presume it's got some common DNA with a B-17. I don't know. I'm sure Adam Drain can tell us. Um, so, yeah, we spent the better part of an afternoon there um, just looking think, at all the pretty planes. I think B-29. I think it may have B-29 wings on it. Hmm. Maybe. Well, don't go me. Yeah. I'm not prepared to argue that, but. Neither am I. <laughs> As you said, Adam will correct us. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were able to overlook the restoration bay, and they had flak bait in there and some other neat stuff. Oh, flak baits. Yeah. I'm going to do a model. I have a, uh, that's an 826, right? B26. B26, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. I have a small model, one of those. I was going to do it up as flak bait. Oh, that's yeah. That'd be a neat. great name. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's always interesting. It was really evident here because they had the wings off of the fuselage. So you could see the, the wing root at the fuselage and the profile of the airfoil. And I'm always surprised by the uh, angle of incidence on the main wing on a B-26. It, it's significant. And yeah. same thing on a B-52. But um, uh, yeah, B-17 too, I, I think. Has is it? it? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a B-17 in that perspective. But And... Uh, if somebody knows better, please tell me. But I thought, you know, originally the B-26s came out. There were a lot of accidents with them. And as part of addressing that, they extended the wings a little bit to give it a little bit more wing area. But I think yeah. they also gave it a little bit more wing incidence as well. Um, and then they also had, was it Lindbergh? They had him tour around bases and do demos and single engine ops and things like that just to 
show people that they weren't as dangerous as the reputation. But anyway, so the main thing is I look at this fuselage with the wind root on there and I'm like, wow, that looks like a, a crusader. The, the incidents is so high. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So just interesting to see all that unique stuff. Lee, I, there was a P38 there. I took some pictures for you. I think I sent those along. You did. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I forget all the neat stuff, but there's just a lot of really cool stuff there. Yeah, it's really cool. They have a nice shuttle display there. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Around that. I always forget how big the space shuttle is and yeah. just how big they get. Yeah. Yeah, I always like the weathering. It's like, oh, that's a good weathering they did to it. Oh, wait, that's natural. <laughs> yeah, and I, I always have to reprogram my brain on this because on the ascent, it's pretty easy to rationalize. You see these giant fuel tanks there, huge columns of flame. You're like, wow, that's a lot of energy, right, to get that thing going up into space. We're dealing with some mammoth amounts of energy here. But you rarely turn that around and think, it has to shed all of that energy to get back on the ground. Yeah, an was equal it like, amount of energy. It's like 17,000 miles per hour or something like that. Yeah, like 17.5. So, yeah, yeah. So whatever energy it's using to get up, it's got to somehow burn that off and expend it to get back down. Yeah. And get down it just, just a couple hundred. Yeah. I think the touchdown is 200 something miles an hour. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And just to look at the exterior of that and see how everything is beat up and abused from that entry is it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Did you see the uh, Close Encounters model? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's, I think it's near the shuttle. There's a model, the actual filming model of the alien ship from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's, okay, for some nerd. reason, it's there. And it's in this yeah. class case. I don't know why it's there, but it's neat. And there's some Easter eggs on it. If you look around, you see a couple of familiar th uh, things they stuck on it. That's, you can't see in the filming, but it's, it's on the actual model. Oh, anyway. like East, oh, just like homage, homage to like other things or something, or yeah, there's uh, there's like an R two D two on there. Oh, there's cool. a Volkswagen Bug is on there, and, and it might be a C three PO or or Tie Fighter or something like that. Yeah, on there, it's all spray painted to same colors of ship. But if you look closely, you'll see a couple of things. You're like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I think there's people who do kind of a variation of that because when they build those. Um, film models, they use what do they call them? Greebles, just yeah, random Greebles, parts yeah. from plastic model kits. And yeah. people who look to identify the origin of those kits or the, you know, the Greebles. And so that, I, that's well beyond my expertise or interest, frankly. But yeah, it's just kind of fun to to know that it's just model builders in a workshop using what they have on hand to build cool stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They go raid the plastic model kits and stick them on there. But yeah. Did you have you been to the Arvar Hazy before, or was that your first time? This was my second time there. Okay. The first time was more of a whirlwind. I think I had maybe three hours, mm. and if you have three hours at that museum, you are practically in a jog to just glance at everything. Yeah, lots, lots of neat stuff. It's it's funny how it's bigger. It's almost bigger on the inside as on the outside. When you drive up to it, you're like, it doesn't really look all that big, and you walk in, it's like, wow, this place is really expensive. Yeah, and yeah, it was funny. We saw the B-29 Fifi at Oshkosh. Well, mm. the Enola Gay is at um, the Udvar Hazy. So. Yeah, the whole Enola Gay, yeah. Yeah, I've had my fill of B-29s lately, if there's <laughs> such a thing. Um, yeah, so that was a, a good visit there. Um, we had lots of fun. Even my daughters were there for a little while. They weren't nearly as interested as my wife and I were, but uh, um, it was good to do that. And another museum we went to in D.C., uh, is the Postal Museum. Did you know that existed? Because I didn't until it was suggested to us. <laughs> it doesn't. 
Yeah. This might sound harsh, but that doesn't sound like the most exciting thing in the world. <laughs> well, frankly, it wasn't. There, there were parts of it, but there's like a whole stamp collecting room. And weirdly, there's a lot of baseball memorabilia in there. It's like huh. the postal slash baseball museum. But anyway, um, they have some neat stuff in there. They have an old mail plane and wow. obviously other aviation thing in there. I think it was a couple of them. But anyway, a neat display with an old mail truck and stuff like that, too. So yeah, it's, I guess that's probably a bit underappreciated how much the mail service pushed aviation technology in order to get the mail carriers to deliver mail through the air. Did they have an inverted Jenny in the museum? Uh, no. Come on. I forget which kind it is. Um, I think that's how um, Charles Lindbergh got his start was delivering mail, air, air mail. Yeah. He was yeah, an airmail pilot. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, oh, what was it? Maybe they had a Stenson that had like a, a tail hook to pick up mailbags from remote <laughs> locations. So just interesting stuff. And then the yeah. mail trucks are interesting too, because a lot of, at some point they became custom, I guess originally, and they probably still do it on rural routes now. It's like whatever you have on hand is what you use for mail. But at some point they standardized mail carriers. And the original one was this weird three-wheeled thing that apparently was a horrible monstrosity that couldn't go through snow and things like that. But yeah. they talk about the development and the lineage of what is the modern day mail truck. You're funny. You just reminded me when I, my, um, when my uh, parents moved to South Carolina, they moved to a little podunk town, little, mm. little, little hick town. And the mail carriers were literally just driving normal cars. Right. Were they the sitting thing. on the passenger side reaching yeah, over? To yeah. The <laughs> they're kind of almost like that. Yeah. yeah. I, it threw me for a loop because I, you know, growing up, I only see mail, regular, you know, custom built mail trucks. And there's yeah. somebody coming. I was like, who's this person? And it was like a normal car. I think they may have stuck something in the windshield or something, but it's just, just a normal yeah. car. And yeah, they were just they putting the mail yeah. in, just driving their own sedan. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. Yeah. And am I remembering right? But I think some of those mail trucks have aluminum bodies made by Grumman. I might have made that part up. I think no, I think they were made by Grumman because they had a little. I remember it's uh, like a Grumman tag or 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 whatever on the actual vehicle. Like, yeah, Grumman familiar. makes canoes too. So anybody yeah. out there that has a Grumman canoe, tell us what you think. <laughs> that seems like an interesting thing to have, right? Canoes, you'd have to, you'd have to name it some kind of cat, lake cat or water cat, <laughs> or, uh, paddle cat. So anyway, so that was museum number two. We kept moving south to see more family. We ended up in uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. Neat stuff there. Um, nothing particularly aviation related, except um, while we were in Williamsburg for a few days, I, I didn't have my computer with me, but somehow I ended up on Facebook on my phone. And somehow I got in the marketplace section and somehow an ad popped up for some RC planes that were at an antique store of all things. And they called them vintage RC airplanes, but these are like pretty modern day uh, Horizon ARFs. Um, not brand new. Well, I guess some of them were. But anyway, uh, long story short, I ended up picking up a package deal of some RC airplanes while I was on vacation. And when I tell you my car was packed to the ceiling on the way home, I, the back window was pointless i could not see a thing <laughs> out of the back um, but i picked up some neat stuff for a pretty good deal and um so i'm happy with that um i don't remember all the things but i did get a a backup umx or i guess just um b17 so i've got the one that you gave me that i've been flying for a while and now i have another one that looks to be new in box and uh, i've already bound it and it, it reacts and does what it should so 
yay, those are pretty rare things. And they're fun to fly. So I got that and a few other things. But anyway, um, we started coming back after that, making our way back to Green Bay. And we were going to stop halfway. We decided to make our halfway stop in Dayton, Ohio. So guess what we did in Dayton, Ohio? So another particular type of museum? You think? That might have airplanes in it? Lots of them. That might be a branch of one of the military, U.S. Getting military. warmer. Yep. Um, so we did. We like spent the the United States Coast Guard Museum, right? That's not the one. But I bet they would have some neat airplanes. So, yes, we went to the U.S. Air Force Museum in Dayton, Ohio. And part of it was closed off. Uh, really? Their early ones. I forget what, what they specifically call it, but the, the pre-World War One and I guess World War One stuff was being worked on, um, but everything else was open. We spent lots of time in there looking around. Our buddy, Adam Drain, met up with me up there. He was our personal tour guide for a while, and that's always fun. So as usual, just got to see lots of stuff. We were in less of a hurry than when you and I met there before Fitz. So, excuse me, Lee, I pointed right at Lee and I called you Fitz. I, don't know. <laughs> I know there's a resemblance. Right. Um, so, yeah, this was my second time there. Um, so I felt like I didn't have to uh, linger on certain things. I could go right to the things I wanted to see and just so much cool, cool. stuff there. So many, not just that there's unique airplanes, but the specific examples they have have a really interesting history. A lot of combat veteran planes and airplanes that had a specific story behind them. It, it's really cool. You could spend days and days there, but we didn't. Um, so that was that. And I walked away, even though my car was already full of airplanes, I walked away with another very cool model airplane. Thanks to Adam. And you guys have seen it because it was here when you guys visited, um, but it's a control line airplane. It's a Cox control line airplane but it is not powered by an 049. This is the Cox electric powered F8 Bearcat. So I'm really excited to have this. And I didn't realize this till I had one of my grubby hands. And this one looks to be never flown, pretty much new in box. So again, Adam, thank you. This is a, a super rare treat for me. And thank you for trusting me to be a steward of it. Um, the battery for this airplane is an eight cell NICAD, something like that. The battery's not included, but you wear that on your belt. The flying lines are insulated conductive wires and it sends power from your belt out to the motor. And that just blows my mind. So <laughs> I'd always assumed the battery was on board and you just had really short flights. Oh, there it is. There's Fitz fondling my Bearcat. Um, and I don't know who put the insignia on wrong, maybe somebody at the Cox factory back in 1970-something, but I, I aim to fix that. Even if it's correct for the model, uh, I got my neurosis won't let me do it. <laughs> that will not stand. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And Fitz, you mentioned that you have one of these as well, but yours doesn't have the wires. Oh, can you go back to the image, Lee? You can see the handle is in there. Can you point to that? It's a standard looking handle. But yeah, the red and black things, those are the, oh no, they're on the spool there. I'm sorry. The spool is under the right horizontal stabilizer. Those are, I don't know, 20 gauge wires with like PVC insulation. 
And then mm. on the handle is a button on the top, and that's your throttle on and off. So I, I'm guessing the way it works is you, when you're ready to take off, you push that button and then hope you've got enough power to, to fly. You, I was about to say something, but I heard somebody taking a breath like they had a comment. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I'm I'm definitely going to fly this thing. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to try it with the stock wires first. Or maybe even, I'm sure I'll do this. Just do some tests. Measure RPM of the motor with a local battery on board or through the wires and see what the difference in power to the motor is. And of course, it's got this gigantic brush motor on there um, that's heavy as heck. So I am sure that there's ways to put a brushless motor on there with more power and an onboard battery and still be lighter than what's in there now. So I don't think you're stuck with the conductive flying wires. But curiosity makes me want to see how much of a performance loss that caused. And I'm sure at the time when all you had was NICADs, that was probably the only option. But now... That being said, Cox did make other electric control line planes that did have small onboard NICADs. I think they had a Spitfire and a few different paint schemes. Um, I don't have one of those in hand, so I, I can't compare, but it's just really interesting stuff to me. So I'm excited to try it out. If I haven't said it five times yet, thank you, Adam. This is a really cool piece of RC, not RC, of model aviation history. And I'm excited to try it out and make it come to life. So you rock. Now I invite your comments and suggestions. <clears throat> Can we decide what battery you're going to use for the on the handle? No, I'm sure that'll be related to whatever motor I pick for it. Mm. Um, my hunch is that I'll stick with the same prop size and pick a motor that spins the heck out of that. Mm. And then you know, probably a three cell something or other, but I don't know. And then if I end up going with an onboard battery, do I put a timer on it or do I make an RC with a little belt controller? I don't know. I'll see what the current trends are and, and follow that probably. Has anybody ever taken a pistol grip car controller and made that a handle and used the trigger as a throttle? Uh, I did half that. I didn't do the whole thing. I've seen pictures of that. It was a clever idea. When I did one, like it's RC assisted control line, I just kept, I had the, the handle for the plane in my right hand and the control controller in my left hand and just use a trigger on it and just okay. held it as a separate thing. Um, I didn't try it as the same thing. I guess it could work that way, but it was just as easy for me to hold it yeah. in one hand and the handle in the other and do it. That was no yeah. problem. That's a good idea. I might do the same thing just as a simple approach to it. All right. Yeah, because typically the, 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 uh, RC car control. It was RC car controller. So mm -hmm. they're typically set up. So you hold it in your left hand anyways for the trigger. Right. And you steer with your right hand. So it was natural just to do it that way. Did you have any issues setting up an airplane ESC to a car controller? Because they, they're they neutral at either half or like 25%. So you oh, have either, where an airplane speed control wants to arm at 0% throttle. Well, I, maybe we didn't talk about it, but I talked to you, Terry, about the modified controller I did. I removed the reverse, and now the trigger goes all the way forward. Okay, so the spring pulls it forward naturally. Okay, that's the probably a good way to do it then. Yeah, so so there's, you, a spring, there's a spring on each side, so it centers. So okay. I removed the spring pulled back, so now the spring pulls all. I mean, I, I had to make some modifications, but now the trigger's all the way forward, and okay. so it's, it zeroes out 
on the ESC. And so I have full throttle from zero to hundred. You genius. All right. So you did a mechanical approach to solve the radio problem. All right. Yeah. Good for you. All right. So I'll keep that in mind when I tackle this thing. So there's a few projects in front of it, but uh, it's on the short list. Yeah. My only problem is the little plastic, it's like cell phone battery that goes in that controller was toasted. <laughs> they don't sell those little batteries. It's a little plastic hard case that fits in this thing. So I'm going to have to open up that, probably open the uh, controller and solder in some connectors to throw in something oh, yeah. else. Which controller are you talking about? It's this Hobby King speed you know, car oh, controller. So it's got this little hard shell, hard case lipo. Okay. You know, with special connectors on it. So I don't mm. have one. Gotcha. So I'll fix that. All right. Well, cool. I'll rig it. Yeah. All right. Um, that's all of the RC slash aviation related activities I can think of for the recent period of time. <laughs> Other than when you guys were here and we got to do some fun flying off the lake. Um, yeah, I think I'm tapped out. Something else may occur to me. Uh, down the road, but that's it for now. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for your support. Yeah. Fitz, we right. kind of run the show. Do you have anything? Yeah, tell us about this plastic model deal. Sure. Uh, so I went to the 2023 IPMS, International Plastic Modeler Society National. Speaking of Nats, Lee went to his Nats. I went to my Nats. And uh, this show is a roving show, so it's in a different location each year. And, and fortunately, this year it was in San, just north of San Antonio in San Marcos, so that's relatively close. That's where I'm going. Oh, are you? That's uh, where my daughter goes to school. Oh, well, you're a week late. Darn it. We're two weeks late. <laughs> yeah, these are big shows. I mean, these pull people from all around the world. They actually had a map that you put a little pin in where you're from, and there were quite a few dots from Europe, Australia. Uh, a few from uh, Asia and South America. So this course. really is a world. It's not like the World Series where it's still just U.S. people. It's No, this is a, very much international. So does it happen at international locations too? Uh, yes, I believe it does happen over in Europe and some other places. Uh, there is a, yeah, there's a big show in England, I know, uh, but I don't know if it happens in other countries. Uh, I just know the U.S. branch has a show in one state every year. I think last year was in Tennessee, and the year before that is Las Vegas. Uh, so Texas this time, and next year will be not far from you in Madison, Wisconsin. All right, cool. Uh, these are very, very neat shows. I, I tell people, you know, this is RC Roundtable, and we're RC guys. But this is, even if you're not an RC guy, uh, this is a great show for a couple reasons. Uh, one, there's some really, really fantastic plastic models. This is like, take all the first place winners at your local competition and stick them in this show, and they may or may not place. I mean, this is supreme building uh, of people because they travel so far. Really good models, lots of good scratch builds. Uh, they counted, I asked somebody, he said there were over 3,000 models that showed up wow. there for, for judging and display. Uh, but also, it's great for reference material. If you're going to do a scale model of something, this is the place to go. If you're going to do like um, Top Gun or something, you got to go to these shows. There's some great, great reference material books. And often people are just, just selling them for a real cheap price. You know, per private collections and whatnot, really obscure stuff. You can find some great books on anything, pretty much. 
Uh, so I was there for, I met up with our buddy, uh, Richard and we shared a hotel room and I was there for most of the week. And wow. this was, I had only been to one nationals before in South Carolina and I was sort of in and out of that one just for a couple of days. You know, this one, I was there for quite a while and there's a lot going on. You wouldn't think, I thought I might be kind of bored, but there were three different vendor rooms. There was a huge room for the displays and competition, and there was a constant stream of forums and what do you call it? Um, um, uh, discussion panels and that kind of stuff. And uh, Lee showing you, I did a live video when I was there. Uh, they had a great motive. They had a play on a Texas uh, come and take it flag. And instead of the cannon, it was an airbrush that kind of had a cannonish silhouette. It says, come and make it. So <laughs> oh, make your stuff. And yeah, and we I walked in. It was quite a few people. Early in the week, of course, it was a little bit slow, but not too bad. Uh, but as the week went on, we had a lot of people show up and a lot of dealers. Rich and I actually shared a table. I was selling a few models. He was selling quite a few models. In fact, that's the table that we were. Richard had some really rare uh, models that he was selling, some helicopters and some stuff. <laughs> And, uh, and you, we would just periodically walk around a dealer's room and almost every time I'd walk around, I see something new. So just when I thought, oh, I've already walked around this place five times, I walk around six times and I'd see something. And I actually ended up finding a couple of models I've been kind of been wanting for a while now. And I was able to find them. Not only did I find them, I found them for a relatively good price as well. And here's uh you're showing a picture. This is a Shinden uh, from the issue um, Zukimori company. These guys actually came from Japan. These are Japanese guys. It's a Japanese company. Makes some really, really nice models. And they had a, a, a raffle. They were giving out, giving out some stuff and whatnot. I had a nice talk with him. Uh, and he told me a couple of locations of their stores, which I'm going to try to check out. Uh, uh, visit. Take it all in, Fitz. <laughs> yeah, look at that. There's a, a, a Raiden and a uh, Key 45. Oh, I forgot to think. Do you need a moment? Oh, yeah, give me a moment. There's a Shinden. But they have some nice stuff. There's a P-51 you saw. There's a Horton bomber. And these kits are neat because you can see there's framework. So you can build them with or without the skin. And so if you just want a framework of the aircraft, you can see the fuel tanks, the engines, the structures, the ring ribs and stuff. These are beautiful, beautiful models. And they're fairly well priced for what they are. Here's a, a DL-335 with engine detail and that kind of stuff. And they're are funny. Are these those, injection molded? Or these are injection other? molded plastic models, right. yes. Right. But they're absolutely beautiful. They're works of art. And they were selling some pop-up parts for him, too. I picked up a couple of pop-up parts. I have one of their models. Uh, this guy had a neat stand. He had a, a laser-cut stand that's adjustable. That you can put your models on, a paint rack that you can build, you can buy and assemble. Uh, this is uh, some really neat stuff. So even if uh, you might find some use out of stuff, presumably for plastic models, but, you know, may come in handy for other Lazy stuff. Lazy Dog Hobbies, they, they need your... You need Clyde to be the sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clyde's official mascot, a lazy dog. Give him a call, Terry. Write that number down. <laughs> Tell him I got the dog for you. <laughs> uh, a great thing for tools. I, you know, I picked up some really neat tools for various things, for building models and and uh, whatnot, all kinds of neat meter, meter boxes, special tools and things. There's another company. I actually bought something from them. They had a really weird... Uh, hypothetical German flying wing thing, I guess, you know, Luftwaffe 46 kind of thing. But they had some nice F-16 models that were, I was kind of looking at some new later block block editions. Uh, is that Squadron uh, Putty? Yes, this is the same Squadron company. Interesting story. Ah. Squadron kind of went out of business or 
yeah, they went out of business and then they were sold and the new owners picked them up. And apparently they seem to be doing really good with it. They, they built the inventory back up. They had a whole room just to themselves. And I actually did. I don't think they make it a putty anymore, but somebody else in the show had squadron putty. Oh, and so I, bought, I didn't know you wanted some. I would have bought you some. I bought oh, a, a tube I, of squadron putty. I used well. They I used to have it as a that green putty, if you remember. Yeah. But oh, yeah. they made it now into a balsa type color, and I used it on the uh, Malibu. Yeah, uh, I forgot to ask them if they're going to make it anymore. But the, the, the new room, they had a pretty big room just to themselves, a bunch of new kits, and yeah. oh, and oh, I got something for you, Lee. <gasps> Yay! Actually, actually, it's for your son. <laughs> <laughs> At the squadron booth, I'll, 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 I'll next time I see you, I'll give it to you. Yeah, I think he'll. No, I don't care to have whatever you have for my son. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it and I said, um, Ryan would really like this. Oh, Ryan, that's okay. Boston. I'm guessing so, it's B25 related. It's B25 related. Awesome. <clears throat> And here's the we're showing pictures. You got to watch the YouTube video. There's a dealer's room, some, um, just showing a little bit of the stuff on display. There's the tank area, and of course they have the categories: airplanes, tanks, figures, ships, sci-fi, that kind of stuff, helicopters, and some really really wonderful models. Another great thing about going to this event, if you like to build even RC scale models, is the paint schemes. You will find the most interesting and unique and bizarre paint schemes and livery that you can ever think of. Uh, there was a B-17 that had weird colors I'd never seen before. Uh, so you can, if you really want to have your model stand out, you got to go to these shows and just check out what guys, guys will find the most esoteric oddball thing and paint it up just like that. And you're like, wow, that's really, really unique. Oh, I got an ad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Make me some Excuse money. me. Well, I have to go through this dumb ad. Oh, I got to go through two ads. Oh, oh my gosh. I hate this. Ad. Right, we're oh, seeing your algorithm, Lee. Yeah. So I don't even know what that was. was. <laughs> you guys just made me a couple cents. All right. So yeah, it's a mad <laughs> you're <match>. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, You're welcome, Vince. All, all right. according to plan. Oh, yeah. Uh, the tech some Gundam stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. sci-fi. There's some great sci-fi. There's a nice big Enterprise. I don't know if I show it. Maybe if you play for a little longer. A guy built a scratch built here. This Colonial Viper from Star Trek. Um, Belzar Galacta. Star Wars. That was a really nice Millennium Falcon, by the way. Uh, dinosaurs. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a U section for just kids. So they're not competing with the adults. Mm. These are all aircraft from the Korean War. This guy did, did the whole thing, all marine. I think all marine aircraft from the Korean War. So helicopters, and all kinds of P twenty nines. No, that says U.S. Air Force. So I think okay, not more marines, just all aircraft that American aircraft that participated in the Korean War. That's that's what it was. Or at okay. least I think all of them, or mostly all of them. Uh, and you can see there's quite a bit. And there's a, a group build here of all Japanese uh, aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if it's everyone that saw combat or what, but there were a hell of a lot of them. Uh, oh. And so they actually had a category for group builds where a whole bunch of people come together and build stuff. Uh, this guy scratch built a Saturn V using blueprints and other reference material he actually got from NASA. The, oh. the thing was like 10 feet long. It was huge. I forgot the scale. 148 scale, if I remember correctly. And it's a cutaway. And this is all scratch built. This was not a kit. This guy had to build build everything himself. I don't know if he used any 3D printed parts or not. I don't think he did a whole lot. 
148. Uh, yeah, 148 scale. Yeah, Saturn V. Beautiful. It's it's laid out similar to how the Saturn V is on display at the Johnson Space Center. Uh, Terry, you probably recognize how it's yeah on its side. And uh, he he uh, he. I think he got second place. Competition was stiff on this one, but yeah, we the, the judges were really 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 admiring this one. And this was impressive because it's big, but there's a lot of detail. The more you looked at it, the more detail you could pick out. It's yeah. really fantastic. And these guys have built these work on these models for, for years, easily. Yeah, I'm sure. Wow. And it was really, really nice. Um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, you can see the separation and stuff. Uh, so this is just a really nice eye candy. Um, I guess I didn't show it, but there's all these B-17s. It was just a table full of B-17s. Wow. Did any of them have exhaust stains on the upper wing? Uh, I, I took a quick look and they. That's so, Adam. <laughs> look at Terry just jump on that. We're, so we're checking it. When, when I did the live video, I even mentioned Adam and said, Hey, Adam, I'm looking. Um, I saw, <laughs> did you really? Oh, yes. that's awesome. So there were some stain ish. So a couple of them were right on the line or like, I don't know, but they, they weren't too egregious. I didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, if you look, yeah, there's a striped B17 in the back there, center. Yeah. Is, I've seen polka dot B17s, but I've never seen a striped one. Oh, I've seen the striped one before. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I understand it was a camouflage one. Uh, mm -hmm. So I understand those are for, um, I don't know, about the, oh, it's got early war markings. The striped one, I think, was for, for organizing a group or whatever for formation. But uh, yeah, it's interesting, the camo one. I don't think I've ever seen a camo one before. Yeah, there it is. Oh. It's. Pretty stripes. If I had a B seventeen, I'd be tempted to paint it like that. Yeah, I think we can sure. tell Adam there are some people who know their stuff. I didn't yeah. see any screens. Yeah, usually the the scale modelers are really here's some nuke atom bombs. This is scratch build shipwreck. This was a scene from Star Wars filming of Star Wars. They made a diorama of the filming of part of the Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. It's actually really cool. If you look closely, there's model boxes on the left wall there. Model oh, kit yeah. boxes. There's a bunch of um Starfighter models on the table, and you can see the camera rig on a dolly. And I believe they're filming the scene where the, the um, uh, Millennium Falcon comes into the Death Stars in the tractor beam. And so mm -hmm. it's on a mechanical rig. It's one of those things, again, if you look more, you look, the more details this person put in there. The camera lights, the the rigging, wires, all kinds of neat stuff. It actually light, it wasn't lit up, but it actually has a light ring around the Falcon. Uh, mm -hmm. So that black box on the bottom right, is that how they did the intro text? Yes, yes. it was. Yes, it was a camera placed in front of it, and it just, I think it was on a conveyor belt, right, Lee, or something like that? Yeah, and the camera pulled back. Oh, camera pulled back, that's what it was, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah it was huh. actually pretty low-tech, the way they did it. That's crazy. Yeah, and so these—it's the interesting thing is these people come up with the most interesting dioramas. <laughs> you know, I had to. Fitz is like getting his camera real close. I'm waiting for the little light to tip over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you had to be careful. Fitz escorted out. <laughs> yeah, when I actually helped judge, and then one of the things it said is be careful with the cell phone lights. Then you yeah. know, drop it on somebody's. Oh, model look at the Y wings. Yeah, they got a Y wings and X wings sitting on the table. Yeah, There's a little yeah. radio boombox on the other on the table. You can see the collage on the wall of. And this guy did a lot of work. Wow. And, and this is a real scene. This is there's a photo somewhere of them doing this. And so he recreated uh, what he saw in the photo. I think it goes without saying that if you're listening to this in your car, take a minute to watch at least this part of the video so that you can appreciate what we're talking about. Yeah, here. let me be specific. Yeah. You go to Hobby Views 
fits his hobby view channel on youtube but you need to go to the live tab yeah, it's not tab, part yeah. of his videos it's under his live tab yeah hmm. uh and speaking of star wars somebody i don't know if you know what a blockade runner here's another fictional german uh the blockade runner which was princess leia's ship in the first movie when darth mm -hmm. vader sucked it up into the death star uh the Darth star destroyer a gentleman scratch build one that's got to be four feet long or three feet long it's, it's pretty big completely scratch build He's probably has a paint job better than the actual model did in the filming. It was it won first place. It was absolutely stunning with lights, and it took him. He had a little book. Oh, this was neat. So this is a Lancaster bomber, and he put it over an LCD screen, a TV, and so it's got a. You can see the explosions and anti-aircraft stuff underneath it. It's hard to oh, see in the video because of the reflection, but yeah. it was. I thought it was a neat, neat kind of thing to do with a with a model. Give it some live. And then I'm just kind of scanning through. There's a bunch of aircraft, you name it. It was probably there. You can see World War II jets, F-82 there. Uh, there you go, Lee, Skymaster, yeah. yep. OV-10. Uh, all kinds of neat stuff. Uh, I actually have this kit. I, I thought it was neat to see it built. I haven't built it yet. I just thought it's a weird, neat-looking airplane, Italian. Uh, what was it, A-20? Uh, uh, so in, you judged, but I assume you did not participate? I did not. I uh, probably should have brought a model since I was there for so long. But I, you know, these guys are, are really good. Uh, but do you have you know, to win a qualifier a first? No, no. Okay. The only requirements is you can't have one previously in that same with that same model. Hmm. Um, okay. So and you can't sweep. So if you bring multiple models, they'll pick the best one out of your multiples to allow hmm. other people to place. They, they don't want one person winning first, second, third. For sure. example, yeah. um, but and you have to be a member of the IPMS organization to mm. compete, but you can join as you sign up right then and there. Uh, yeah. But other than that, no, um, I don't think you have to have done any of the regionals. There are regional competitions. Houston has one every year, but we have a smaller show that's really nice. And usually, if your state will have one um, somewhere. Uh, every year, usually the local one of the local clubs will host it, and it's affiliated with the IPMS organization. Right. Uh, so I usually try to go every year in my local one. It's just neat, but this one is like the local one turned to eleven. Just it's, right. it's so much. It's order of magnitude more models, more vendors. You get the actual companies that have come in. Tamiya, big name, was there with their models. That I show you the Zuki Mori Squadron. You know, you, you pull the actual vendors from companies not just mom and pop places and so it's and, the oshkosh of plastic models if you will. uh yeah i guess you could say that yes yeah you could get a couple thousand people in and out throughout the week uh it's interesting to meet some of the guys there and people the modelers the forums are pretty neat where you can learn techniques on airbrushing or oh this is interesting so one one of the forums was the modeling magazine what is it the fine scale modeler they had people there from the magazine and they were they were picking out models that they thought were pretty neat to put in their magazine but they gave a um speech or we're we gonna call it a presentation about the state of the hobby and the interesting thing is they were saying a lot of the same things i hear in the model aviation hobby is that all their members skew older sure and they're trying to say well, how do we get the younger crowd to get interested in this hobby how do we you know try to bring in new blood you know so to speak and and so they were just talking about that and i thought well this is i've heard a lot of the same stuff in the ama and model airplane guys you know it's a bunch of bunch of old guys 
you know, flying our models and how do we get the young kids in? And they're trying different things, but they didn't really seem to have a, a good solution either. They're just trying, you know, we'll try to do more videos. We'll try to make things more interesting. We'll try to branch out. We won't be so stalwart and just showing airplanes. We'll show, you know, what's what's the pop things for kids now? They, they, they like you Gundams say, and anime. No, you say you can win a PS5. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't want any writing in the show. Uh, win your own iPhone 14. There you go. You'll get 20, 50 kids, whatever. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting that it was a, some, uh, some sort of similarity in what we're seeing. And, and I don't know if there's really ever going to be an answer for that. And I think, but they're also saying that they also, that the demographics are pretty stable as well. So I wonder if it's just a thing that you're really not going to get a whole lot of kids. You're going to get some. And there's, there was a youth, like I said, it was a youth section just for younger kids to build models. And some of those are actually really quite good. And it was fairly well filled out. But I think... I think this is just a hobby that people gravitate to later in life when they have the free time and extra money versus younger kids or uh, somebody middle-aged that's, that's got family and kids and mortgages and that kind of stuff. All right. So just me hmm. being waxing lyrical here. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, yeah. watching that, it made me think back to when we went to the free flight event in Geneseo. And, of course, it that type of flying, there's no ARFs, there's no pre-built stuff. So there was a heavy emphasis on craftsmanship and unique models. And I mean, the flying was, to me, it, it seemed almost secondary to, to all this stuff. And one of the big aspects was not the models themselves, but the carrying cases that people had to travel with these ultra-fragile models, maybe hundreds or thousands of miles, maybe on an airplane. So I wonder if in the plastic modeling world where these people are creating these world-class level models and then have to travel to show it somewhere, do they also have very specialized cases to do that without damaging them? Yes, I actually, actually have a good story about that. So usually they'll have they'll have some sort of carrying case with one or two models in it. They don't, they don't stack them, but you'll see a lot like a, a, a plastic tub, almost like a Tupperware tub or something. And it'll either be padded with cotton or something really soft, or it'll be custom built inside to hold whatever they're traveling with. Uh, and and you got to be careful. I remember one at one Nats, a guy came. It was middle of summer, and he left his model in the car, and part of it melted. Mm. Uh, but there's a great story. I was just talking about the blockade runner, that big model. Mm. That guy came from California, and he flew, and he bought an extra ticket just for his model. <laughs> and he had a picture of it. I don't know if I have it here. Let me check. He had a picture of it. I, he gave me a copy of his thing. I might have it here. Of it strapped to the seat in the aircraft in a box. His own custom box. Give me a second. I think I have it here. Uh, yeah, nice guy to talk to. And uh, I really liked his book. He had a book. I'm looking at uh, a book he did of how he built it and stuff. And I think it's probably in the back. And he had an extra copy. And he said, yeah, you can have it. And I'm pretty sure he had it in here somewhere. Give me a second. Uh, uh, so, yes. Lee. What's that? We lost Lee. Uh-oh. He, right that's why I went to oh. the screen. Oh, okay. I, oh, I thought you were going to show a photo. On your I was. Post. I'm looking for it. I'm pretty right, sure well, it's in being here. patient. Sorry. Sorry, folks. I uh, didn't expect to show this. So, yeah. So, bringing the model is 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 a can be a, a delicate thing and a lot of guys will, will specifically drive to the show 
so they don't have to oh it doesn't have it shoot i guess he showed me on his phone um so they'll drive to the show even if it takes hours or days rather than try to um trust their model to the ravages of uh, of some sort of postal carrier or even flying with it right. uh unless they can put it as a carry-on and hold it in their hands or something well they can't really do that so right. usually people are driving yeah, yeah and they'll drive pretty far oh i'm so sorry he didn't have it um but i saw it somewhere maybe it was online but yeah it was a picture of it and it was just he was a you see the airline you see the window and it was the, the kit the box was strapped to the seat, seat belted into the seat. <laughs> you even got the window seat. That's crazy. You got a window seat, yes. And so that's dedication. But it yeah. paid off. He won like first place, and I think he won um best of sci-fi or something like because sci there's several different categories of sci-fi, and I think he won mm -hmm. like the best of all of them. Uh it was fantastic work. Uh so oh, yes, yeah. yeah. so traveling is is an issue, and I, I, I know um I belong to a local plastic model club. And the guy was telling me that sometimes when he goes to shows, if he knows somebody who's driving, he'll give them the models and he'll fly. And so he'll, you know, work out a deal with them, that kind of stuff. So, All right. Huh. Interesting. And of course, you know, being, being a plastic modeler, you know, I, I picked up a few things. It's funny because I, I brought a bunch of stuff to sell and I actually did end up selling quite a few of them. And, but I also couldn't help it. And I bought a couple things that was really cool. Yeah. But it wasn't too bad. I actually bought more. Mainly, it was looking for tools and decals and stuff. But I didn't end up. You saw the picture of the zero. It's over here somewhere. Because um, I don't remember some time ago, Lee was asking if I had a zero kit. Was it for Ryan? Was interested in one, or was it one of your kids? You don't remember? I mean, no. I mean, I have several kits that are not finished on a table in the game room. <laughs> no, no. This is plastic model. Your son wanted yeah. one for something. Yeah. And I remember uh, we visited your friend and the, he had some plastic models and we got one or two. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize it, but you were at, you were talking, he said, do I have an extra zero model or something? And I looked at my, my stash and I really didn't. I had like one old one, one or two old or really small ones or something. And I'm like, well, you know, that's odd that I, somebody who likes Japanese aircraft, I didn't have a nice a Mitsubishi zero, the, the premier most recognized. So, um, I was selling a, um, uh, what do you call it? A F-18, large F-18 model. I was never going to build. I just bought it for the decals. I thought the decals were cool. So I scanned them and never built a kit. And I saw somebody had a Tamiya 132nd scale zero. I said, oh, that's really nice. I'd love to have that one. Because uh, it's a really nice kit. It has actually has landing gear that can go up and down. And, oh, cool. nice. and I said, well, are you interested in a trade? And he said, maybe, that's what he got. <laughs> I said, well, I got this F-18 model. That's basically a worth the same price. And I said, sure. And oh. so now I have a nice, big, fancy zero model that I can build at some point in the whenever. <laughs> All right, cool. And I got a few other things too. So, But anyways, um, uh, I've probably talked long enough, too long on this thing, but just wanted to say it's, it's a these are neat shows. And they do, like I said, have... Uh, what do you call it? regional shows yearly? So I, I highly recommend checking one out. They're usually really cheap to get into, and you never know what kind of good stuff you saw. I told you about the book I found. Speaking of zeros, that's basically full of engineering drawings for the zero. I'd never seen anything like it. It's all in Japanese, of course, but it's just so cool that uh, I couldn't pass it up, and it was for a re very reasonable price. All so, right. anyways, nice. So you're going to build your carbon fiber version of a. Zero like that P51 we saw at Oshkosh. 
two-thirds scale. You know, I was thinking that. It's like, <laughs> man, P51, as cool as it was, you got to make a little zero like that. <laughs> yeah. right, so just finish the DeLorean. Is it no, going to be called uh, a sub-zero? <laughs> oh, oh speaking of DeLorean, you saw, <laughs> did, did I tell you I saw one there? Yeah. No. Yeah, uh, I guess Lee heard. There was a guy who said, hey, there's every year there's like some guy in a DeLorean comes up. And uh, if, I, I'll see, if I see it, I'll let you know. And lo and behold, he saw it. He says, hey, I saw it. It's over there. Go over there behind the tree and you take a picture. Of it. So I went over there. <laughs> lo and behold, it was there. And so yeah. I snapped off a few pictures of it and stuff. So, And uh, this weekend, I'm meeting up with um, uh, a guy I know has one. There's a car show apparently this weekend, and uh, he told me about it. So I'm gonna meet up with <laughs> him. This is gonna bring a screwdriver and take a couple of parts off. <laughs> <laughs> Put it up on blocks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I feel bad. I haven't really touched it, but I'm actually gonna try to do something this winter. I want to try to tinker with it and get it, do some work on it. I need to really. I didn't buy it to have it sit there and hold up airplanes. I need to. Uh, I bought it to work on it, and so I'm gonna shave out some time, and start working on it. All right. Well, good luck. Thank you. I'm going to need it. Yeah. All right. When you were here, you told me about a new toy that's coming. Are there any developments on that? Who are you talking to? You. New toy? Yes. There's that book, by the way. I just was right here. Engineering uh, drawings? Yeah, engineering drawing books. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, I told you about a new toy. Uh, was it more specific? Uh, Is it flying? No, it cuts things that fly, or it could. Cuts things that fly. It could cut parts that are used to build things that fly. Oh, 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 no. I don't have that yet. And okay. thanks, I, that, thanks for a reminder. I need to contact him and see what's up. But yes, okay. I'll let you know when it... When future it, episode. When it, it's yeah. a future episode thing. Yes. Will, the, the intro will be fits with a table that's covered in a silk blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Behold! The big reveal. Yeah, thanks for reminding. I've been, you know, out traveling so much that you know, kind of for, almost forgot about it. But uh, oh, look at this. Um, sorry, I got reminded about it. I haven't really got a chance to look at it. Look at this. He's got a fold out. This is. All this right, is, we lost fits. This is air that, that. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's like a wing bracket or something. You have to have a rating on this episode. Look at him. Pull out the <laughs> center <laughs> folds there. Yeah, yeah. Look at, look at the ribs on hey, that baby. Yeah, I'm with <laughs> I'm with Terry. This is something for Hobby View. <laughs> sit, but anyway, sit but, down with Uncle Fitz while we read the Japanese uh, engineering what, program diagrams. Putting some good. Um, I did get another book on the zero. Or I got Raiden. What is zero? Oh, it's downstairs. But it it had neat stuff about you know there's a retractable ladder on the wing of the uh, fuselage of the zero, and there's details about uh the, the the cowl flaps and that kind of stuff which is great you know for an rc model if you really want to detail it up there's some great great stuff in here yeah. and some stuff i've never seen online so, you know just looking through wings and and uh, how the landing gear works and that kind of stuff so again great for research material the wheel wells that kind of stuff so anyways uh, i've rambled on too long i have um, a question for you fitz yeah is there a famous story about the first zero captured by the United States? Uh, yes, it was captured in, if I remember correctly, the Aleutian Islands, part of Alaska. Um, the Japanese actually held some U.S. territory in World War II out in the Aleutians. 
and there was a zero. I can't remember. I think it was damaged in a in a battle, and the pilot attempted to make a forced landing, and when he landed, he landed in soft soft ground and flipped over and was killed. But the plane itself was virtually undamaged, and so they were able to fix it up and get it flying again. And that's where they learn all the zeros' weaknesses because before then, they were they were getting you know LOL stomped <laughs> by the zeros. They were they were trying to fly a, you know, combat to zeros on their own terms and were just getting spanked. And so when they f were able to get the, a, a zero copy flying, the U.S. military was able to find all the weak spots and know and say, okay, this is you're going to fight a zero. This is how you fight it. And that was a big turning point in uh, air combat. So yeah, as you can look it up. Uh, my story is probably ninety percent accurate, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> the the main ports are good are correct. That seemed like a setup. Was there a specific reason you asked that? No, he was showing these books, and I was like, "Is there a book I can get fits that talks about the first, you know, like all the, maybe they had photos, you know, diagrams and stuff, the the whole uh, history?" Is uh, it because wasn't it you, Terry, that you were telling us about the sub that was captured? The German sub, yeah, yeah, yeah a couple of them Chicago. actually. Yeah, yeah, so do do they still have that zero? You know, that'd be cool. I don't that know. Is... That's a good question. Uh, they probably made beer cans out of it after the war. Yeah, nah, nobody will ever want this hunk early, of junk. Early model zero. Um, but yeah, oh man, you, I was going to say something. I forgot what it was. Uh, oh, I actually have a book written by the, the designer of the zero, hmm. which is a really, it's not a very big book, but it's a very interesting book. It goes through his the whole design philosophy and, and from the military uh, requirements and that kind of stuff. So very, very interesting read. Is it in Japanese? No, it was an English translated one. Okay. It was a, uh, you can buy it somewhere. I, I bought it a long time ago, but it was just pretty cool. This, the interest, this as an engineer from an engineering point of view, cause he was an aerospace engineer. Uh -huh. And so it was, there wasn't, it wasn't a copy of anything European. It was their own design. And he had made some pretty revolutionary, um, engineering choices at the time uh -huh. too. Or related to that, the um, the book by Saburo Sakai, one of, oh, the, yeah, one of my favorite books. Aces. Yeah, yeah. survived the war, so that's very interesting too. Yeah, it was. That's a that really needs to be made into a movie. That is just an interesting. It was such a good read. Interesting. Um, seems like an interesting guy. Interesting how he made a lot of uh, friends with the American fighter pilots after the war too. Yeah, you know, there wasn't wasn't any animosity. Yeah. Um, I just I almost got you that day. <laughs> I can the conversation. <laughs> I knew it was you. <laughs> so, so anyways, well, for any fanboys of uh, Fitz's, if you need to, you know, get him a gift or something, zero Japanese zero, you can't go wrong. You you go. Get a little little five set. T set Japanese zero T set. Actually, the book I pulled was for a Raiden. Actually, the uh, interceptor yeah. made by this was the same designer of the zero, by the way, but a totally different aircraft, different purpose, different uh, um, flight profile, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Philosophy on that one. So, all right, cool. Is there any events that are coming up that we're going to be at? We, about we, we, any of it, not collectively, but individually. <laughs> Uh, the Richardson Swap Meet is coming up next week. I know Lee's going to be out of town. Oh, right. That's the one we mentioned Yeah, last week. Yeah, that's Sir. up in Dallas, North Dallas, right? Or it's in Richardson? Or Richardson. Yeah, it's in Richardson. But <laughs> people listening to this like, Richardson? Where's Richardson? 
right. Dallas. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still north. You, you would consider it Northeast Dallas. Yeah, for, for those using Walla Walla, Washington, it's it's Dallas. Yeah, I can't uh, make it. So get some good deals for me, Fitz. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna make it. A, I'm just gonna do a day trip for that one. Okay. Uh, I'm not even decided if I'm gonna get a booth or not. I might just go up or plop something down on somebody else's booth. <laughs> Give them a couple bucks for that. Uh, set. I'm looking at my calendar here. September second, the Austin Rail Control Club has an electric fly-in. I'd hope to. Oh crap. Oh, my language. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized I won't be able to make it. Darn it. They finally have it on a different day than best, and I can't make it because I will be uh, out of town. Crud. Um, where else? Bomber, September, what, 15th to the 14th. 17th? 14th. They say it starts the 14th. So yeah. Definitely will be there. That's, yeah, it's I'm, a big, big anniversary something, right? Yeah, it's the uh, 35th. Okay, I knew it was a milestone. But speaking of big anniversaries, the 20th best is October 7th and 8th. A little bit more for some of us. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) October 5th to (laughs) 8th. I can't help but tell that enough. If you want to hang out with Fitz and I, we'll be there at best. Try to get there every year. Uh, Wings over Houston, the week after that. JSC Warbirds, the week after that. Yay. And I just found out today, Jetero here in Houston has a Warbird event on 28th as well. You have a list or something in front of you? How are you reciting all of this? It's phone. Oh. I have a calendar okay. on my phone. Just staying in your pocket. That's a computer. technology. It's amazing. Is yeah. A calendar in your pocket? or <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> You got anything near you, uh, Terry? He's, he has still as a trapper keeper. Yeah. <laughs> he writes on the back of his hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing that comes to mind is not this coming weekend, but the weekend following. So what is that? August, i bring up my calendar here. Uh, 19th and 20th is the Warbird event, Warbird and Classics event in Fond du Lac, Ooh, a little bit nice. south of Oshkosh. Um, I was a was brief last spectator. Year, well, yeah, yeah, only for a short while. We were passing through on our way to Chicago. Um, my daughter and I stopped in, um, probably similar to that this coming year. I figured out I'm not going to be able to participate, but I'll go down there uh, maybe Friday or Saturday, spend a few hours uh, drooling over the planes there. Last year, there was lots of big warbirds, and they were fun to watch. So I'll probably do the same thing this year. And, uh, and there's more friendly faces there this year, or more people that I know. So it'll be fun to hang out with people, too. So looking forward to that. That's the only thing that I'm aware of in my immediate future. So, okay. Sounds like yeah. a plan. <laughs> Stop being so right. busy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Is that everything we had? Are we wrapping this baby up? So, yeah, one last photo I'd like to share. This is a, a photo of my son, Austin, holding his old man's craft air golden eagle it's the little sister little sister little brother whatever you want to call it to the sail air and so i'm really i'm really happy with this photo i'm thanks matt ruddick for taking this photo but uh again smile on his face happy to be there was you know i love that he's got his favorite hat on (laughs) he's i can't see it it's the uh, a5 ah okay yeah big fan so ama again nice that we got to hang out together there and fly and of course uh it's just symbolic, so hopefully someday he'll have his little 
son or daughter flying grandpa's plane at NAS. Mm. That'd be fun. Yeah, cool. The grass there looks really nice. It was very nice out there. Yeah. I was surprised that I've heard there, you know, bugs and stuff. We we didn't experience any problems at all. It was, it was very pleasant out there. It was hot, right. but nothing like right now. Yeah. <laughs> nothing like mm -hmm. Texas. All right. So right. one last thing from you, Lee. Can you explain your handle? Oh, hello, Fitz. That's uh, Star Trek reference. That was uh, Broccoli. 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 I yeah. broccoli for you, Fitz. <laughs> broccoli. That was um he was also Murdoch on the 18. Yeah. Oh, okay. Exactly. So Lieutenant Reginald Barclay. Yeah, he was, he was in a recurring next generation and in Voyager. And, and and in the movies too. He was one of the I think uh -huh. it was in um first contact. Oh. So he was uh uh I guess he would call him I don't know if he was autistic or or what, but quirky. Quirky, yes. <laughs> yeah. Memorable character, a, a um, uh, what do you call it? Recurring character for a while on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, he was very quirky, but he was very intelligent, but was not a very, very good. Um, he, he wasn't very. Social. Yeah, it was kind of not a sociable person, <laughs> yeah. unless he was in the holodeck, and then he was like yeah. super stud. <laughs> but but he, you know, you think about it, he turned things around for Voyager. You know, he was the one who got contact with Voyager. From, yeah, no. yeah, from Earth. What have I done? <laughs> so, was the reason why you had it on? Was there something? To no, I just picked a. I just picked a good character name. That's all. Sorry, didn't have anything yeah. else. It was going to be Lee. <laughs> 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 there you go, Terry. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for explaining that. I could have done with a simpler explanation, but that's fine. You guys nerded out for a minute. What? That was simple. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So actually, I made an A-Team reference on my road trip um, not long ago because, you know, we're on the road for two weeks and generally I like to do all the driving. But for certain circumstances, there were periods when my wife drove. And don't get me wrong, she's a, a fine driver. She's you know nothing to worry about, but I just don't like being in the passenger seat of my own car. So I was joking that they need to knock me out like B.A. for those oh. segments of the trip. <laughs> they drug his milk or something like that. Uh, yeah. Him up. <laughs> So poison dart to the neck. We can get there. Oh, yeah. Yes, you are. <laughs> I paid a fool. Anyway. All right. With that, I think we should probably make a hasty exit. All right. Bye. Well, Lee, you brought us in. Why don't you take us out? Yeah. Oh, okay. Guys, thanks for joining us. And uh, it was not all RC, but it was definitely a lot of fun. I have actually been to one of the model shows. Fitz, thank you for inviting me. And it, it is a lot of fun. So if you need to take a step away from building <laughs> model airplanes, then go look at the plastic models. They are in really incredible. And it's just something else to, to do on the side. Take, take a break. Uh, but Terry, it was good to hang out with you. Thanks again for being uh, such a great host. And, uh, you know, making dinner. That was good. You made some tasty dinners for us all right chef terry that's right he did quite you know, a you, just, we expect, you remember those little, little made the little uh, like chicken quesadillas for us you yeah, put some okay. spices in there you put them on a plate and we've each got two i mean it's like it wasn't <laughs> just like one i mean you put it it was very nice yeah. so thank you right. thank you for Easy all that please but yeah. i'm glad and i hope i hope this doesn't take us a long time to see you again and and of course i can't say it enough please get your butt back down to best we I shall endeavor you. to do so. All right. We need I hear you. You. All right, guys. Until next show, take care.
please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.